0: Our Heavenly Father, as we begin our service this morning, what an incredible foundation for us to start on. The love of God that exceeds and blows us away in every single way. Lord, we, thankful, we are thankful that we rest on that beyond everything else. We pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning, welcome to Woodland Park this morning. We are so glad you are here. We are so glad that you came uh, to worship in the house of God this morning, that we can be together for this time of worship. If you are a regular person who is, I mean, all of you are regular people, I just want you to know. If you are a regular attender at our church, you're gonna notice that the service is a little bit different this morning, Uh, just something that God has kind of put on my heart this morning, we're gonna flip the service upside down. And so I'm gonna have the opportunity to kind of speak from the word this morning for a little bit. Uh, and then we're going to spend some time in prayer together. And then we're going to move into our worship segment uh, of our service. And so that's going to be uh, the plan this morning. We're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29 uh, this morning. There is a super familiar verse in Jeremiah chapter 29. It's from verse 11. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans. They are plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Anybody ever heard those verse that verse before? Anybody cling to that verse and say, "Boy, I, I love that verse." Anybody bought a graduation gift for someone this year that had that verse on it? That it is a great verse. But we also are living in the middle of a year that seems to have a separate reality as well, and that reality is kind of represented by this cartoon of of, of standing behind that wall together in a crowd with great fear opening up the door to say, I wonder what the next month is going to unfold inside of our lives. The truth is, this has been a year unlike any other year that we have ever experienced. And by the way, it's only July 5th and january and february were quite normal in fact they were quite good and so in this short period of time we have been buffeted by so many different things in our lives we have been overwhelmed by so many things and what i want to do this morning is i want us to take just a little bit of a time out away and just kind of stop and recognize what we have been walking through and maybe just for a few moments this morning to come up for some air. To come up and let the the wind, the Spirit of God refresh us in this morning. I read several weeks ago a sociologist published an article that his statement was that we were simultaneously going through five completely separate cultural upheavals in this day. It has it to do with our health, it had to do with politics, it had to do with race, it had to do with economics, and there was another one in there, someplace that was probably more complicated than I understand. And they said these were like once-in-a-lifetime upheavals, and they were all being pounded on top of us all at one time. I don't know how you're reacting. I don't know how you're processing to all of that, but I will tell you it is exhausting on my soul. And I have to believe that it might be exhausting on your soul as well. It's my belief that the intensity of these upheavals is impacting every single part of our lives. In fact, we ache in our souls that things would be different. And that ache sometimes can cause us to be angry because things are so different. That ache sometimes can even cause us to become distrustful of the people around us. That ache just over the passage of time causes us to become brittle inside of our souls this happens as we sit in front of our TVs this happens as we sit in in front of our keyboards this happens while we sit at a family dinner table this happens at work this happens amongst friends and it even happens it even happens at church where this wear and tear from this environment that we've been living in. All of this stuff squeezing on top of us. That what it does for many of us is it leaves us with two reactions. One, we live with our dukes up. And said, I'm going to protect myself in all of this change, all of these things that I don't like, I'm going to protect my turf. I'm going to protect my space. I'm going to protect my things. And so for months now, we almost go through life saying, you looking at me? And even from a defensive posture, we're ready to go. The other side of that. Is that we live in such a defensive posture. We live with our heads down. And we're scared to even pop our minds and our heads and our spirits up. Because it's so loud. And because it's so harsh out there. That we are afraid to expose our hearts in any way. Because we just know it's dangerous out there. And the reality is that probably most of us have spent some time with our dukes up. And sometimes ducking in a corner waiting for the storm to be over. Sometimes we just have to put that on the table and say that's where we are. That's what we're feeling and that's what we're experiencing. But I would tell you. That both of those postures are harmful to our souls. Both of those postures which are natural reactions to the chaos that we're living in are about the worst possible ways that we can seek to be a person of worship. It's detrimental to our spiritual lives to live with our dukes up or our heads down or our hearts covered or alternating between the two. And I just think... In this season of upheaval, that's where we have been for so long. It exhausts us. It leaves us brittle. It is the worst context for spiritual aliveness, and it makes us the least likely to become a worshiping people. I share this as a person who observes all of these truths, and I say them as a person who experiences all of these truths. So what's the solution? Where's the off switch? Where where, where do we go to find a way out from this mess? On our trip last week, it's a funny story. Well, it's a funny story now. It wasn't really a funny story as it was happening. We, we drove i don't remember how many miles 2700 miles or something like that and and we were all over the place most of the time off the interstates and and one of the things that you have to do is you kind of casually have to keep an eye on that that fuel gauge right i mean particularly if you're driving off the interstate and all that and so every day you know you kind of checked it a couple times and you have the benefit that now your car tells you this is how many miles you have left and your phone tells you this is how many miles you have to go. And so you you just kind of put those two things together and you trust that the computers are going to talk to each other and like each other and tell the truth to each other, right? Right, right? And and they did. And and so it was the last day of the trip and we were coming down uh, along the Arkansas Mississippi State line and we were just kind of, I mean, there's anyone from there? I didn't think so. No one is from there. We drove that line. There's nobody there. There's no gas stations, but it's okay. The math said by the time we hit Vicksburg, we would have enough gas, and Vicksburg, you've heard of that place. I mean, they got gas stations in Vicksburg. And so we, we come into Vicksburg and there's one little gas station. It's like, ah, oh, I bet you there's a better one down the road. So we, we stop and we have lunch. We have, we have lunch at McAllister's. We've been looking for a McAllister's for lunch, you know, you know, the whole trip. They, they don't have any anywhere. And, and, and so we had McAllister, really nice sandwich, the jalapeno turkey crunch, very, very good. It's potato chips inside the sandwich. Love it. It's, it's very, very good. Uh and so we're doing that. And while we're there, it's like we've been just stopping when we see something at, at any time. It's like, hey, what's this? And we're like, well, Vicksburg. I, I wonder about the, uh, the Vicksburg battlefield and, and National Cemetery. Uh, I-, I wonder how far that is. Well, would you know, that's like right across the street. So we're reading about it. Well, it looks like it's closed, you know, because of Corona and all that stuff. It, it looks like it's closed. Now, we've-, we- we've got like 50 gallons or 50 miles of gas left, but we're in town. Not a problem. It's like, well, let's just go across the street and, and let's just go see where the battlefield is so we go across the street to the battlefield and and what do you know they say today's the first day that it's open and and it's a drive through place I'm like well it's open let's 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 go take a drive So, you know, we're not really thinking, you know, now I'm thinking, oh, cool, it's open. We, we, you know, it's great. What an opportunity. It's been closed every day until today. It's open today just for us. Let's let's, let's go for the drive. Now, you get in there. This thing is just up and down. Now, I don't know everything about math and fuel consumptions, but up and down does not feel like a good idea. And so we're driving through. Now, there's a back exit. So we kind of checked things that we wanted to check. And then we hit the back exit and head through town because... Now we're down to about 30 miles left on the tank. And so we kind of want to go through there, and, and we, we hit that. And so we are, we are on our way to the gas tank. We go through this four-way intersection, and all of a sudden there is an accident in front of us. And in this accident, there's just two cars in the accident, but they have happened to have landed, so that they cover both directions of traffic so traffic is stopped there is no going forward there now i'm probably down to about 29 miles on my tank now and i am not going to just sit here and idle while we're waiting for someone to clear this up so we're going to turn around my my internal compass tells me that we need to get that direction so we turn around and i turn that direction and susan says you don't want to go this way i said yes i do it's the best way to go. She says, it's a dead end. I said, I don't think it's a dead end. <laughs> it, it was a dead end. So I want to come back, and I want to go back the other direction. Um, that I, Instead of going this direction, I'm going to go this direction. Well, this direction is a one-way street coming this direction so here I am I am in a four-way stop this way is blocked by a traffic accident this way is a dead end this way is a one-way street going the way that that I can't go and behind me is where I've already been and there's no gas back there what do we do with this Now I'll tell you that's the way that I feel the last three to four months this isn't any good. This isn't working. I can't go there, and I've already been there, and I don't like it. Now, we eventually did get gas. Turns out Vicksburg is not a place where they have lots of gas stations. I don't. I don't they must all have like horse-drawn carriages or solar-powered cars because well, we couldn't find a gas station for another 20 minutes. Uh, but we did eventually make it back home but but the point of it is is that we're just kind of stuck and we don't know where to fit in all of this there's a profound word that's written for us today it's a letter to a group of people who wish that they were someplace else it's jeremiah chapter 29 beginning in verse 1 jeremiah chapter 29 beginning in verse 1 It says, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother and the eunuchs and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem The letter was sent by the hand of Elisah, the son of Shephum, and Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, and Zedekiah, the king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all of the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord On its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord when 70 years Are completed for Babylon I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare not for evil to give you a future and a hope then you will call upon me and will pray to me and I will hear you you will seek me and find me you will seek me with all of your heart I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places that I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. It's an entire letter written to a group of people who wished with all of their heart that they were someplace else. It's a letter that is written to a whole group of people that are saying, how long is this going to last? When is this going to be over? There's a lot in this passage that is worth paying attention to. But let me just try to begin with a couple of things. The first is that what we want to hear And what we need to hear can be quite different things. You see, the people who were in captivity there in Babylon, separated from their homes, separated from the promised land, separated from the temple, separated from everything that defined them, were hearing two different messages. One of the messages was from the people that was around them, that was telling them, don't unpack We're going home soon. I just know it. God has given me a word. This isn't going to last. And before you know it, we're going to be back home. So don't unpack. Keep everything settled. Don't do anything. Don't do anything rash. Don't do anything permanent. We're going home soon. God has told me we're going home soon. And then Jeremiah sends a letter. And he says, Unpack. He says, Plant gardens. He said, arrange for your kids to get married. Man, that's a pretty big deal. If you think that you are separated from home, you think that you're separated from the Holy Land, you're going to like, if my kids are going to get married, we're going to put that off till they can get back home. till we can be back to the temple. No. Plant gardens. Have your kids get married. Pray for the welfare of the city. Because you're going to be there 70 years. 70 years, that's a lifetime. 70 years, that's infancy to old age. Now let me ask you, if you're hearing both of those messages at the same time, which one are you cheering for? Which one does your heart say, oh, I bet you that's the one that's true? Isn't our heart drawn to the message that says, Don't unpack, this will be over soon. We'll be, we'll be back home before you know it. But do you know which one was true? It was the 70 year one. It was the one that they it was the one that they didn't want to hear. It was the bad news that was true. We hear a lot of voices today, don't we? And some of the voices are saying exactly what we want to hear from those voices. And some of those voices tell us stuff that, boy, I wish they'd stop saying that. We can't necessarily vote for truth based on what we just want to hear. Sometimes truth is the suboptimal thing that we don't want to hear. Let me tell you, I have ached for this season to be over like you would not believe. I shared last Sunday night that I really believed when this thing started. I said, I bet you we're going to miss one out of the next three Sundays. That was my thing. This thing's going to be so bad, we're probably going to miss a Sunday. And even two weeks ago when we kind of thought, oh, this stuff is kind of behind us now. All of a sudden, it just seems to be expanding. I'm afraid that this is going to be with us longer than we want it to be. This, this isn't going away. Hey, let me just say clearly what our position as a church is. There is a real virus that is real dangerous and really contagious. And because we, are a, we host a public gathering of people, we have an obligation to maintain this as safe as a location as we possibly can. Do I like that? No! I'm first person in line of, I don't like that. Does it inconvenience us as we come together? Yes! Would we like to sprinkle dust to make it all go away and go back to February? Yes! Can we do that? No, that dust will probably make it worse. So here we are. And we're going to have to embrace this. Now, why do I say this? I say this because, quite honestly, I think that there are some folks that are just saying, I'm just going to wait for this to pass over before I re-engage in the life of the church. Um, yeah, I can't recommend that. It's going to last longer than we want it to last. It's already lasted longer than we want it to last. It's going to last longer than we want it to last. And you need to be here. You need to be amongst the people of God. You need to be gathering. Now, I know it's not the way it was in February. I know it's not the way it was last year. I know it's not the way it used to be. But hear me. There are persecuted believers around the world that would take this in a heartbeat. There are people of history that would take this in a heartbeat. And God never said the assembling of yourselves unless it's not quite the way you want it to be. It's not the way we want it. But it's the way it is right now. It's where we are. I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes about what that means. But I want to bring some good news. Do you mind some good news? Okay, good. Maybe a shorter sermon if there were no good news. But there's good news. The good news is you want to write this down. His plans are good. His plans are good. Even in times like this. Even when the word is not what we want to hear. Even when he tells the people of Babylon, it's going to be 70 more years. But in the middle of that, he says, I've got plans for you. And they are good. And they're for your welfare. And they're for your blessing. And they're for you to bless the people around you it's not going to be 70 years I'm pretty sure I may not be the person to listen to but whatever it is His plans are good, even in the middle of this. And so while we are submerged in bad news, understand the God of love that we sang about to begin the service. He has good news for your life today. Tomorrow. And the day after. I want you to notice in this passage, I want you to notice that those blessings begin spiritually. Spiritually. He says, I have plans for you and blessings. And he begins to describe those blessings. He says, you will pray and I will hear you. He says, you will seek me and you will find me. He says, that's where the blessings begin. The blessings will be that forget the fact that you are separated from the old times and the old place. You're not going to be separated from me. That's the first blessing when he says, I have got great plans for you. He says, my great plans for you is that I will hear you and you will seek me and you will find me. That's the best news that we can share. That when we gather, when we do our personal devotions, when we seek and when we pray, he will hear us. And that is the best news that there is. I will also tell you that this passage promises restoration. He says, I I will restore you. And I will restore your stuff. Now hear me. I I can't like an accountant say, you know, you lost $742.89 by this. I promise that you're going to get $749.82 back when this is over. And it's not person to person everything that you lost. But what he says is there's going to come a time when this will be in your rearview mirror. There's going to come a time when this is over. And you're going to be back in Jerusalem. And there will be some semblance of the old normal back in place in your life. I don't know when that's going to be, church. Church. I don't know when you're going to come into church and not have to wear a mask. I don't know when we're not going to have the the ribbons on the seats. I I don't know when we're, I, I don't know. But I believe most of us are going to live long enough that we will look back and say, remember that season because God will have restored the way things are. There's another statement. We didn't read all of it. But the next section in the passage, he adds one more thing. He says, you're better where you are now than where you want to be. If you read the next paragraph in the letter, it is, listen, you want to be back in Jerusalem. You want to be back there. Let me tell you what's about to happen to Jerusalem. I'm sending famine. I'm sending sword. I'm sending destruction. All those kinds of things. So your heart says, I wish I could be over there. God says, you don't know what you're talking about. Trust me. You are better where you are right now than where you want to be. Now, you want to talk about a definition of faith. It is to say, God, I receive and I accept where you have put me right now because I know that right now with you is better than where I'd want to be on my own. His plans are good even in times like this. I would also tell you that our calling does not have a pause button. Our calling does not have a pause button. Let me just say in this season there's a little bit of a temptation to say that, that like the teachers out of the room. You can kind of run down the hallway. You can kind of do what you want because it's just not normal. But, but I would tell you that, that, that our spiritual lives are not on hold. So let me just try to challenge you with four things spiritually. First of all, if you need to stay home because of your health or the health of your loved ones or the people that you're in contact with, stay home. I, I want to call everybody back to church. But if you have a health reason not to be here, then that is what honors God, that you care for the people around you. And we certainly understand that. We certainly value that and appreciate that. And in no way are we going to push, am I going to push beyond that. I'm also going to tell you that we need to be careful because of our love and our care for others. So that as we come to church, we're going to do it in a way that's not just what works for me. But we're going to do it in a way that we can make this as safe a place as possible for anyone who walks into this church. I'm also going to challenge you to take ownership of your spiritual life like you never have before. Man, there's some stuff missing. Sunday school's missing. Wednesday nights are missing in many ways. Some of your Bible studies, prayer meetings, some of your gatherings, they're missing. Those are things that have supported and encouraged you in your faith. And for now, they're not here. So what that means is that you cannot depend on your Sunday school teacher to have a spiritual life on your behalf. It's got to be you. It's got to be you. There's no sense that God says, well, I don't really care what happens right now. There's a virus going on. No. Engage. Own this as though it belongs to you and to you alone in terms of responsibility for your spiritual health and vitality and your spirit and your soul. And then I'm going to tell you... If there isn't a health reason for you not to be here, man, be here. Be here as though this is the place where you're going to get oxygen and life for the week. I think in the old days, we could say, you know what? I got, I got a baby shower this weekend. I'm going to skip church because I can always go next week. I went last week. I go, you know what? We don't know if there's next week. You don't know if there's next week. We don't have throwaway Sundays. So if it's Sunday, what you find in his house, what you find here, you're not going to find any other place. So be here if it is at all possible for you to be here. And maybe we need to be reminded of that once again. I'm reminded of the stories of the old persecuted Christians who would be sent to prison, sometimes behind the Iron Curtain. And some of the stories that would come out is how they would have memorized Scripture and how they would write the gospel of John on the tiniest piece of paper and be able to share that with one another they did that because they saw how valuable it was when it was absent and when it was gone we need to begin treating the gathering of God's people in that same way we know what it's like for it to be missing so we've got to come and gather as though nothing is going to stop me from being If your health is able, then you need to make your schedule so that you're here. Because it matters to you and it matters to the person around you. One more thing I need to say here. I told Brian the sermon wouldn't be long. Apparently I lied. (laughs) That was like 20 minutes ago. It wasn't long. But it also says the importance of praying for the welfare of the city and serving others can I tell you that in a time of crisis one of the things that can happen inside of us is that we just turn inward and we just kinda think of ourselves and the last thing that we're interested in is going out of our way to take care of somebody else I will tell you that it's been a frustration for me because all the things that we want to do to serve people were like cut off by the virus when this first started and I think I've said it you know I felt like well we need to go out on the corner of Fagan and just give away free hugs Yeah, that doesn't work. But I tell you, one of the things that we've been invited to do, at the end of this month, there's a back-to-school supply drive operated by the city. And the city has asked this church to help make that happen. Michael asked asked last Sunday, what would happen If Woodland Park Baptist Church ceased to exist, would Hammond even notice? We're going to make sure that Hammond notices that we're here. And so there's one project that we can do over the next three weeks, and that is to bring in school supplies. I think you saw stuff on the screens earlier about what we needed. It's it's the composition, marble notebooks, it's pocket folders, and it's one other thing. I have no idea what it is, but it's on the slide. It'll be on Facebook. You can see, there it is. Oh, packets of tissues. See, it's Corona's theme, Corona theme. There it is. But we're going to make sure that we bless the city that's around us because I believe that some of the vibrancy can return to our church and to our hearts when we begin turning outward. It's missing in a crisis, and we have to intentionally turn out and do it what now? We need the opposite of all of that noise. And the opposite of all of that noise is prayer and intimacy with our Savior. And so what we're going to do is that we're going to open up a season of prayer right now. And then we're going to move into some worship.